You're listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. This episode features audio from a discussion panel that was recorded at DragonCon 2017. Spoiler-free zone. <laughs> we're gonna say we're gonna say crap that will make your hair turn white. <laughs> I promise. All right, so here we have four very different people come together. Uh, do you guys want to talk about how you think that went? How you felt about each character? How they were represented? Uh, we'll get the panel started on that, and then we'll start taking questions. If you have a thought or a comment on anything you hear up here, raise your hand and we'll get called on. Fire away. We're running that way. Well, you can, whoever wants to. Yeah, whoever wants to talk. Don't make me talk first all the time. Um, I mean, I guess um, the the question was what that, how we felt the characters were portrayed, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I I see why they uh, rushed the first season of Iron Fist. Now that we've seen the defenders, since he was so central to the story, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really wish we had seen more of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones because I feel like the two of them are. Uh, I mean, I, Charlie Cox is amazing and everything, but I also personally, um, you know, there's been two seasons of Daredevil, and I just want more Luke and Jessica. Yeah. Um, yeah, similar. Um, a lot of a lot of the same stuff. I also, it it wasn't quite the Avengers where we've had two whole movies and they never really felt like a team who liked each other. But I, you know, I love the characters individually and I think it did a really good job introducing them. And yes, they wouldn't initially get along, but I would have liked to see a bit more of a team dynamic earlier in the series. I actually really love all four of the Defenders, Matt Murdock and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Claire Temple. (laughs) So, like, I'm totally on board for that, and that's really all the series that I needed. I feel that Claire really fulfills the role of the uh, the glue that holds the team together just fine. Um, I, I think they did a really good job of weaving in the different narratives, but I feel like it is difficult if you do not feel as strongly about one of the narratives to buy into the team as quickly. I think I I bought into the little pairings of two. Like I I felt like Iron Fist had a pretty good dynamic going with Luke Cage. It was kind of like Iron Fist gave Luke dopey, dreamy eyes and then Luke kind of punched him around some and smacked him back into his place and that was nice. Dragon after dark. (laughs) <laughs> I liked Jessica and Matt together, like hanging out. That was really fun, but like it, it really was difficult for me to kind of buy into the whole team aspect, and, and until pretty far into the series, and I enjoyed it. But it, it took me a while to really get on board with these four people actually being willing to work together. Danny was the wrinkle in the team fabric, um, and it, one of these things is not like the others, and. To be, per- yeah, yeah. to be perfectly fair, well, no, they were not very bright. And I had the same problem with Smallville, um, as it turns out that the lead 
really did some super dumb things and generally didn't get called on just being really the true brick in the park. Um, and the problem with Danny is he behaves like a brick, but he isn't the brick. Luke's the brick. So, you know, the, he's, you start to question his placement in the team as to what function he provides other than, you know, the target. Luke is smart. Like Luke is very He smart. serves the physical role of being, I guess, the tank to use yep. like gaming terms. But I mean, but he's he's probably the smartest and most well-educated and most erudite member of the team. So like, I guess it's hard when you're both the strongest one and the smartest one. Like that doesn't really leave much of a role for somebody like Danny Rand, who is not either of those things. As an example, as an example of, of Danny's prowess with social issues. <laughs> Do you remember when they were sitting here doing the surveillance in, in, in Danny's car? And the camera slowly pulled back while they were talking and then suddenly your eyes were able to focus on the front of the car that said, Rand one. <laughs> Danny, surveillance has a definition. You didn't read it. <laughs> so there, there are things to not like about Danny. But however, Danny, Danny also serves as the he serves as the means for expedition because the others have to explain things. <laughs> Danny, that's a bad idea. Here's why. Danny, Danny stop, Danny. Danny, don't do that. Um, so you guys are talking about sort of like the personality dynamics, but one thing that I sort of noticed and was talking about with a couple of my friends was the color palette dynamic yeah. of mm -hmm. the team coming together. Oh, um, please tell uh, I just sort of like wanted to know your thoughts on how well they sort of like merged people, if there were colors that sort of fell out of place, if it was jarring, or if you really felt like the color palette and the switches, totally the switches really worked to help like signify that there was a team the joining here. The graffiti on the walls would be the color that goes with each character for the scene. The, I mean, the lighting. I would, I, I was, wa so I watched it once all the way through. And then I watched it again all the way through with my husband. And on the second time watching it through, I'm like, did you see right there? And then they turned on that light in the background and that's how you knew Matt was gonna be there. Or then there was that red graffiti and that's how you knew he was about to be there. So that worked really well for me. And they gave us a color key in the credits. And it's like, okay, this is this is so and so, this is so and so, and this is so and so, and this is so and so. And I noticed in the credits that the the duration that the colors showed. The, the, some characters showed up multiple times, and I timed it. And very well, you know. I mean, I was just looking at it. It's like I keep seeing so and so recur in short bursts, and then, but this person, they held on it long. And I know there's a pattern there. I just haven't had the time to sit down and figure it out. But I'm sure, I'm sure that that had meaning as well. Um, one of the things I noticed is that in the initial scenes, whenever you, whenever they showed any of the characters in, in the first three or four episodes before they had met, the world looked washed out. Except for them. Oh, and it was always they de shot in their the color, color. Yeah, they like, de-emphasized the entire color palette. It looked like it looked like old film, and New York looked older. 
they took pains to show it, it, it looked like it did like like you were looking at an old film from the 70s and the, the closer they got together the stronger the color palette for the world around them got and you get the world of neon in the Chinese restaurant and exactly the boom mm -hmm. they're there they're at a headquarters something that I have always loved about Marvel's net Netflix's Marvel is that it still manages to be colorful. It gets dark, it gets gritty, but it's not gray and black and brown. It's and not grimdark. Yeah, Daredevil yeah. season two kind of dropped the ball on that, but everything else has been doing a really good job of having a saturated world. Uh, and I, I, that was one of the first things I noticed in Defenders as we were going in is that, oh, they're, they're color coding the entire thing. If I see green, I know that it's going to be Danny's scene. If I see yellow, I know it's going to be Luke's scene. Uh, and I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I do think they turned on the red too soon in the Jessica-Matt fight scene in the club. I think because you know, they go into the uh, room where the battle happens, it's already lit red and blue and like, oh, I know who's going to be showing up here. And it <laughs> ruined all element of surprise in that. You know... One thing I when I knew I knew that they were going to be a real team when I watched each of them hit each other at least once in one fight scene. Uh, that's the basis like, of all my friendships. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. yeah I everybody mean, like, swaps we, We've all like beat it all all the time. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I, they did a really good job with it in in that respect. I, I think they were a little bit slow on the uptake uh, in the first like few episodes um like you know i but but other than that i mean you know like you guys you guys kind of covered it um you is very obvious just from the opening credits that they were going to be really pushing that color coding and i think um you know other than maybe the the slower parts of the first few episodes they did really well the opening credits were very cool too yeah. yeah big like figments of them yeah over new york in the boroughs, like that. Was yeah. Cool. This was this was really New York City pulling together. Well, the, the, this this whole series is a love letter to the New number York. of shots where I'm like, oh, that looks like a splat page from a comic. Like that looks like there's a panel from a comic. <laughs> oh, like we're gonna have the and, he, and he's backlit in red and he's turned to the side and he's dramatic. Like oh, that it looked it looked like panels from the comics and I really really enjoyed that. Now I have not read all of the individual characters' comics. Um, Hawkeye's kind of my jam, comics-wise. But like, the, but the way that the shots, like they would make sure, like even in the fight scenes, you would have these cuts where you would have, and it, it looked like a scene from a panel in a comic book, where you'd have like the close-up on the fist and you'd have the backlighting and the correct color for the character. And I'm like, aesthetically, this is extremely pleasing to me. <laughs> okay, we yeah, so um, I can harp on Danny all time, all, all day. Um, I think he's awful. But I think the biggest disappointment for the series um, for me was Elektra as the Black Sky. Um, the Black Sky was introduced to us in Daredevil, and the whole concept was supposed to be was this huge weapon. The Hand Wander is it was supposed to be completely powerful. And when we saw Elektra as the Black Sky, it just seemed like she was just a little bit stronger. They kept talking about how fast she was, but it didn't really seem like it. She failed every mission they sent her on. <laughs> but well, she, I noticed that she kept getting stronger and stronger until, you know, 
she basically killed what amounts to a goddess. My beautiful murder, my beautiful murder princess is uh, stronger than everybody, but uh, she's stronger than their brainwashing memory erasing. They did not get rid of Electra enough for them to, I think, really get the black sky. I think Electra was a long time. Electra, there was south. too much Electra still left in her. I don't think we got a pure black sky. I, I think that there was just too much of her left in there, and I think that whatever evil or wicked, wickedness she had in her or she perceived herself as having in her, I think that there was still a part of her, when it, especially when it came to dealing with, with Matt. Like, she couldn't, I mean, like, she couldn't bring it. His like, name is Matthew. That was, that was, you know, and that was a, a beautiful scene because the only comment she had to make to the, to the person that she had just absolutely gutted was about was her that, boyfriend. It's like, Bye, Alexandra. <laughs> exactly. I thought that actually kind of she brings her death when because like bringing her back like that, I I wasn't a fan well, of it. Well, uh, Electra's death is one of the few kind of comic book staples where we're totally cool with the character dying because then her comeback is pivotal to Daredevil development, to Electra's development. Her dealing with the fact that she's been dead, and then she's come back, and then Matt dealing with the fact that he lost a loved one, and she's back, but she's not the same. And she's my enemy, but I don't want her to be my enemy. And his kind of Jesus thing of, like, I can save you, and her devil temptation thing. Ironically enough, she's the devil to the daredevil of being like, no, there's an evil side in you. Let it out. And whether, you know, like, there's times when Matt has let it out, like Shadowland stuff, he's become a big guy. But mostly that's kind of the, the, the purpose of her always dying coming back is because then they can play that against each other. Well, maybe eight episodes wasn't enough to really, like, develop that. Yeah, the, the flashbacks with, with Electra were a little bit, they were kind of awkward. Um, a lot of times it took me a second, you know, or it took me a little longer than it should have. And, I mean, I watched this completely awake and completely sober, you know, and I watched it twice, and I actually noticed it more, you know, even more the second time, which isn't good, you know, that, that I watched the whole series twice and as I'm watching it the second time I'm you know picking out these moments that are like this kind of like, awkward you like wait but where in Daredevil season two is this supposed to have happened yeah like, yeah where did this take place and I don't need domestic moment I don't think we need like some sort of exact timeline they didn't need to say you know two years ago at the bottom of the screen or anything but I just I feel like it was some bad editing on their part the way they put those flashback scenes you know in and um and yeah, I also, I don't know if you specifically meant like her physical prowess and powers um, as Black Sky, but there was a lot, as much as I enjoyed the season, there was a lot of, uh, it was like they weren't sure how strong people were or how good they were at certain things a lot of the time. I mean, one minute, Jessica Jones is having trouble, you know, fighting, you know, obviously she doesn't know martial arts, but she's having so much trouble fighting these ninjas. Um, like her punch should be knocking these dudes to the ground and they should not be able to get back up, uh, but it's not. And then, you know, a couple episodes later, she's holding up an entire cargo elevator with people in it. Well, so. Did you notice how Luke seems to be losing juice as far as the strength goes? Because, you know, and, and as far as his uh, physicality, he, how many times did he get knocked See, down? I, I don't buy that he's losing out? juice. Yeah. I think that he's just less invested in this fight and less willing to kill people. And I think, so I don't think it's a matter of losing juice. I think it's just a matter of like, 
he doesn't have the same kind of background as Danny and Matt, where he's like, oh yeah, I'm totally cool with knocking the heads off of these ninjas. Like, that is not Luke Cage. He is a well, moral and upright guy. Well, yeah, that, what I was saying, though, is how many times did he get knocked down? How many times did he take a hit that he just doubled over at? That's that's a far cry from the guy who had the building fall on well, him yeah, and he's pushed it out of the way. So, you know, not being invested in... in, in and, and hitting well, his he, guts he, aren't invulnerable. His skin is invulnerable. I mean, you rattle yeah. somebody's coconut, like it doesn't matter how strong their skin is. And <laughs> I think we saw that all the way back in Jessica Jones. He got shot in the head, and it caused problems. So, I mean, I don't. I did not personally yeah. perceive any loss of juice or power on Luke Cage's part. What I saw was he's the guy who's like, uh, let's hold up before we start the murder train. I think the main problem in the show was this before the lack of time, it being eight episodes where all the others were 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get a sense of Sarah Weaver as the big bad. I think that she was not developed and she then suddenly the she's gone. You know? yeah, she, um, she, she. I feel like the hand was not nearly as menacing as it's been built up to be in Daredevil season two and in Iron Fist. They, they're all of a sudden we get the five figures together and maybe like 20 ninjas like where's the rest of the hand <laughs> well where's all the municipalities that should be going after all these all four of these people because remember the hand runs everything even the hospital well maybe they're maybe they couldn't get into the country because of new laws about where they were flying from so maybe it's more practical maybe their ninjas couldn't get in i mean we want to ground it a little bit in realism it's possible that some of these ninjas just could not get into well, but seriously though I, I, you know i mean i mean they had people in place all throughout the city administration, all throughout the police, all throughout the, the medical facilities. Maybe I Colleen mean, leaving the fold. Maybe a lot of the local hand were like, well, but if Colleen left and she was like the prime disciple, maybe I need to rethink this well, whole hand thing. That's a good, you know, that, that's a good, you know, that, yeah, uh, a little wind out of their sails. They're like, oh man, I, I'm sorry, I missed your call. I've, I've got some things to say about the hand because I have been tired of the hand plot since Daredevil yes. season one. <laughs> I do not care about the hand. I'm sorry, but I don't. They have always been a very poorly defined villain to me. Uh, like, what is the Black Sky? I still don't know exactly what a Black Sky is and what it's supposed to mean. I mean, Matt I know it's a girlfriend and a blood milkshake. But, 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 there, what was the other Black Sky? There was another Black Sky. There were many. There were many Black Skies. There were many higher fists. And this one's the dumbest of them all, apparently. That's what's, hey, that's hey, what that's sticks canonical. Said. That's what sticks said. This is canonical. He is the dumbest Iron Fist. That's canon. I mean, I love Gal. <laughs> I, so she doesn't want the hand. She just wants the finger. Yes, exactly. I think she's already got the gotten the finger once. Okay. The lady in the back, you had in her Get a time machine, go back in time, and hire Lewis Tam. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people say that, but to me, Iron Fist was written 
I don't think um, like like I'm not saying it, it doesn't matter who they would have like who they could recast him as or, or like who they would recast. He he should like the it's it's definitely a problem with the writing, but it's also a problem with the casting, and not just because he's white. Um, it's he is I'm like I'm sure Finn Jones is is a wonderful person, but like he was bad in Game of Thrones too, uh, and and I thought at the time that that was writing. So either he just his agent is not good at picking parts for him, or he has really bad luck that he just kept keeps getting these parts that are badly written. But it could just be that he's not a great actor, and and he's very like weak-chinned and annoying. My my husband is a martial artist, so I have spent a lot of time watching ninjas hit each other. And my very first takeaway from watching Iron Fist was this kid's movement is so bad. Yep. When, we'll move like a with Char- with Charlie Cox, they spent so much time doing training and body sculpting with him prior to filming and all this different work with his choreography and they did not have the time to do that with Iron Fist. So the way that they could make it better, they need to start right now. And they need to have him on a strict fitness regimen and they need to start working on his choreography right now because and take some when, when, you, when you have to take, so Elodie Young is black belt. She has been doing martial arts since she was nine years old. You notice in her fight scenes with him, they always make sure she's in the trench coat deal so that the big sweeping movements of the fabric disguise the fact she actually knows how to move like a martial artist, and Finn Jones does not. Finn Jones moves like somebody who was taught the steps to the choreography, and he can do them, but he has no muscle memory, and he has no understanding of why his body moves the way it moves. So what I think the only saving grace at this point would be you have to get him right now into some some real training, martial arts training and choreography. Or just write Danny with more credit. Yeah, I I, I think they have a new showrunner for next season. Um, So I think that there might be, I think, I I don't know for sure, but I know that the person who ran this past season has gone. So hopefully a lot of those problems, and um, Danny's a problematic character, but he can still be written. He can still be better. There was such a double fold problem for him because the the storyline. I mean, it was written poorly. He didn't execute it well, and the choreography was so bad that you were so distracted by all three of those things. You couldn't even really follow the story or get into the story. And change the showrunner isn't necessarily going to get rid of the writing. Well, no, but I might have one. I have a suggestion for Danny Rand, and that is give him some time with Misty Knight and let her teach him how to be a better person and maybe they fall in love. Or maybe we just have a show about Misty Knight and we'll just not have No, and Misty's too good for him. It's a thing in the comics. It's very cute in the comics. Misty's like 12 and she's a grown ass woman. Whoever is, she's the spin off. Yeah, okay, the second, okay. Do you have the dragon plus or dragon? Yeah, that's what I want. No, no, behind him, it's sex. Uh, you guys answer my question about um, making, how to make Danny a better character, but how did you guys feel when uh, Luke Cage sort of like checked Danny on his privilege? Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> that was a that was a clear clothesline. Yeah. I mean, I saw his feet up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really, I, I can't imagine that somebody would actually have a complaint about that because like, and also Luke uh, was is a perfect person in a, so many other ways to 
check that privilege because Lulius, he's a really, he's a kind guy. Um, he's such a Hufflepuff and I love him so much. You know? <laughs> and that's uh, why his color is yellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, behind him, we might have a question. Um, it was kind of two things. With the, the first thing was with the whole thing with Iron Fist, one of the things that I think that how they'll make him a better character is moving away from the whole I am the immortal Iron Fist protector of Kunlun because that did get very annoying. And at the end of the at the end of the, the defenders, they kind of set him up as he's going to be a more mystical daredevil kind of vigilante. I think they're going to move into his season two. They'll probably move with that more of him becoming more of a protector vigilante of New York City rather than all the mystical stuff with that. And the second thing was kind of going back a good bit when you were talking about um, with Luke Cage how how many times did he get knocked down. The thing I didn't like is when he first meets Danny, Danny's kicking the crap out of him and he doesn't move a single bit. Then here are these other ninjas and they're knocking him down and yes. it's like, it, it didn't seem coherent because if the Iron Fist can't knock him down but some other ninjas can, how does that make sense? But Danny was between Luke and the kid he was trying to protect. Luke had a specific goal there which was keep this dude from hurting this kid who has already lost two of his siblings his mama has lost two of their two of her children protect this kid and i just i feel like so much of luke's willingness to withstand blows his ability to withstand is wrapped so much in his morality and his investment in the situation and i think that he will literally roll with the punches if he doesn't have a lot invested in it, because... I have an idea. Right. What, what, if, what if that stuff that they hit Luke with had some gamma rays? <laughs> and so the madder he is, the more of a solid rock he is. But if he's feeling wishy-washy... Ambivalent. Ambivalent. Yes, then, you know, if he doesn't feel like he's in the right to be where he is, Maybe he is an easier, an easier target. Because, and, and you'll notice that there are the several times he became really dispirited with the whole thing. Had. Yeah. He, 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 had, he had a lot of bummer moments where he was questioning. What, and he kept saying, look, all I want is answers. All I want is answers rather than I have, I have a mission. I am here to, to do this or to do that. I have a divine right to kill ninjas. <laughs> yeah, so in the comics, uh, when Matt Murdock goes to prison for being there to look for, Danny Rand takes up the mantle, rarely using his iron fist, only having a necessary. You think we'll see something like that in. Okay, okay you're asking if iron, if iron Fist will someday take on the mantle of Daredevil? I genuinely hope not. <laughs> because I, I went on, I feel like Charlie Cox is one of the stronger actors in the show. And I would really hate to see him removed and replaced with Finn Jones as a primary character because I don't feel like Finn Jones can can carry the gravity of the Daredevil. I think that's going to be a long way down the road anyway, I, if, if that happens. I feel like if we're going to see any Matt Murdock replacement, it's going to be the Foggy Nelson, Phil, you know, the, the, the one panel from an alternate universe where Foggy Nelson has to deliver some evidence in the Daredevil costume because Matt is dead. Which, I mean, we've set up that possibility, but, uh, I mean, it doesn't seem like they've set up Danny in to have that relationship and capacity to do that. 
And just remember, kids, they're forms. Like they said uh, at the end of the defenders, that they couldn't do the. They didn't want it to come out that if Murdoch died, it appeared with Daredevil disappearing. I think what he's saying is that Iron Fist would take on the mantle of Daredevil to cover that up. He wouldn't become Daredevil. He would pretend to be Daredevil, and that would also give you a lead in to make him more mature because he is the baby of. I just don't feel like that would occur to this Iron Fist. Like, I don't think that this Iron Fist has the kind of like, hmm, maybe I should be, like, maybe if Luke or Jessica suggests it to him. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So you're saying it would be a, a way to lead in, kind of give him some growing room to develop him as a character, and then introduce the mask when that comes back. Because he could be like, oh, we're in this mask thing. Well, he needs a mask now because everybody knows who the hell Daniel Rand is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has literally told everybody he's ever met, I'm the immortal Iron Fist. Like, you can't walk that shit back. Did anybody count how many times he said that in the series? Oh, my God. <laughs> Look, I don't think it's just a license plate he's got with Rand on it. <laughs> probably a belt buckle. He's got written on the bottom of his shoes. He's probably got it tattooed in giant douchey letters across his body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen what we do in the shadows? That scene where Nick is telling yeah, everyone he's a vampire. Glows under the black light. Yeah. He's already got a brand on his chest, so it's kind of Yeah, but that's not his name. <laughs> if somebody doesn't know the the dragon symbol, like he needs to be like super obvious about it. Maybe Colleen could be the daredevil. Picture that would, that I would get behind. I am, <laughs> am Danny Raz. There we go. Okay. Okay. okay, hi. Um, so, uh, you guys kind of already touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think one of the disappointments I had with the hand was just how, like, the series basically hyped up how intimidating they were supposed to be, and then it really didn't turn out that way. But another thing I was disappointed about was just how easily they could get captured and killed, like what happened with Sukunde, and then just kind of the thing with Alexandra. That being, was all very like, off screen, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Luke gets hit by a truck, and, and then, then he comes <laughs> back with the guy. That was beautiful. Did they film it and just not no, have it, time? It's like using the Jones like, and the Nazis. Like, I kind of want to see that scene, though. Like, yeah, I, I want yeah, to see. That seems so. I mean, clearly he was strong enough to take out all of the ninjas with that guy. I said yesterday in the panel that what I, what I hope is we see it from someone else in another series where they see it happening across the street. And they're like, oh, I don't want to be involved. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that hurt. Oh. Okay. I mean, go ahead. So we've been talking a lot about how. Danny's like just all the problems, just like uh, his acting, the writing, just everything. But I think watching the show, I'm starting to wonder just how compelling the Iron Fist is as a superpower. It seems like every scene with when he uses it, it's like, oh, let's fight some more. Oh, I can't fight, so I'm, I'm getting beat up. So let's turn on the fist so and let's punch him one time. And he has a lot of performance anxiety with that fist. I mean, it's like, you're supposed to get like beat up and come on to be able to do all this stuff. Okay. Yeah, but that's been his mo from the beginning. He he has. He has to have... Well, his training wasn't done. He yeah. wasn't yeah, finished. He's, he's, like, he is an unfinished superhero. He is not completely sculpted. He doesn't have the instructions. So half-baked. He's half-baked, yes. He's, he's half-baked. Half okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Okay, so I was supposed to be in Santa for a while. Yeah, I was wondering about because you know, like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones are supposed to be a thing. So I'm thinking, like, is the next season of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage that gonna? If he cheats on Claire Temple, I'm going to jump into the television and murder him myself. No, no, I need Danielle. I think that I'm um, gonna. I will punch him through the screen, and he'll be like. Okay. Yeah, I, I really like Luke and Claire, but and I also think that Jessica um, is still uh, she's still really struggling with a lot of issues from her PTSD, and I think that if they ever have her and Luke end up together together, like more so than they were in the first season of her show, it's gonna be a while from now, like probably not in the second season of either Luke Cage or Jessica Jones. <laughs> he is a Starbucks of the neighborhood. He's beautiful. I mean, I mean look at my culture. I mean, my God. I, I'm, I'm going to hold out hope because I really do love that dynamic. I love their child. I mean, I'm, I'm a Young Avengers fan through and through. So you know, that, that's where I fell in love with their dynamic is, you're seeing Jessica Jones as a mother and as a wife. Yeah, I just can't see this Jessica Jones as a mother. I see this Jessica Jones as, like, how many forms of birth control can I be on at one time? <laughs> can I have, like, three or four just to be sure? Because, you know, I'm super strong and stuff, so... That, that ties right into like an unconscious use of, you know, something like the Hulk's power. Not um, everything is gamma rays. Uh, yeah, he's uh, definitely... Marvel, mostly. He's definitely very reluctant. <laughs> he's Sometimes, also, like, he's very reluctant, so I, I, I think that if... I don't know. I, I, I think he would be really, or possibly, you know, he is really torn between he doesn't want to be the way he is, but at the same time because he is so kind of almost inherently good, he wants to protect everybody and he knows that if he didn't have his strength or his bulletproof skin, he wouldn't be you know, able to you know, protect as many people as well as he does. So I, like, I'm sure that that's an internal struggle. Maybe they'll even uh, touch on it more in like Luke Cage season two. We saw it, I think, a bit in his, you know, the first season of his show, but um, I do think that that's something that they could really pull a good story from. I feel like we're not giving him quite enough credit, though. I mean, when we, when we say he's inherently good, like, I feel like he's actively good. I think he makes mm. the decision Paladin. not to use oh, his yeah, strength yeah. badly. I think that he is making Paladin. a decision. He is, he is actively choosing to be the man that he is. It's not just like, oh, it, I mean, and it may come naturally to him, but I think every single day, with every single action, because of the strength he has, and now the 
position of respect and authority he has in his community. He is choosing to, to be gentle with people and kind with people. And this is a choice that he makes. And I think that to me that makes him so much more of a moral character because it's not just like he's always good and it comes so easy. Like he works so hard to make the right decisions. He agonizes. And, and, and I have so much respect for him as a character for that because it's not laid out black and white for him. Like he, he makes the choice every single time, no, this is what I think is the right thing and I'm gonna do, try my hardest and do my best. And it's also like, despite, he makes those choices despite the way, not so much in The Defenders, but in you know the first season of Luke Cage, despite the way he is treated because he is a black man, um, he still makes those decisions to be, you know, to, to use his, his powers for good, which is... He, he is operating from a, from a newfound uh, position of privilege, though, which he has recognized, and he's like, oh, okay, go ahead. You're no. you, you, you going to do that? All right, I'm going to step right in front of it. Is it privilege, though, or is it strength? Well, it is strength, but... but and strength and privilege aren't necessarily the same thing. I mean, it doesn't make somebody less likely to shoot him. He just acknowledges, okay, if you shoot me, well, I won't die. Well, and that's what I'm saying is he has, he has been accidentally or intentionally granted power, and he is choosing to use that power unselfishly. I think it's less privilege and more like protector. Like he feels like he has this responsibility. Yeah, yeah. He does have a sense of duty. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hesitant to ascribe the word privilege to a black man who is actively being shot at by law enforcement, by bad guys, sometimes by good guys, and is choosing to put himself physically in that line of fire like I, I am just really hesitant to use the word privilege there. Yeah. Well, he does. Well, okay. Let's say luxury. Yes. Gentlemen on the other. Yes. Uh, how did you guys feel about how the supporting cast was utilized? The supporting cast. Oh, uh, they were. Oh. I liked it. I don't know. I, 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 the, the secondary characters in these shows have always been really great. Um, and I think. There's some some of them I would have liked to have seen more of. Um, like I would have liked more Foggy. I always I always like to see more Foggy. More Trish. Uh, yeah, more eight Trish. episodes was yeah. not enough to spend a lot of time right. with secondary characters, unfortunately. But the ones they did bring forth. And, and they they amazing. had a lot of there was a lot of consistency in their portrayal, and I liked that. But I mean, of course, I'd like to see them utilize more. I I would love to see. I watch a full show about Claire Temple. I want. Of course, I want to see how everybody's reacting individually to the situation that their friend or loved one or, or sibling or whatever is in. But, I mean, you can't do that in eight episodes. Yeah. But we did see them get together at the police station and start comparing notes. Yeah, they were Which, there for like four episodes. The first time we saw them interacting was like five minutes in the very last yeah. episode. Claire didn't speak to Matt one time during the whole show or Jessica. <laughs> And each time I was banging my head against the wall, see, you have these great supporting characters that know the other characters. Why aren't they interacting? Though I do feel like Trish gave uh, Karen a look like, wait a minute, there's only allowed to be one blonde in this series, so like, you need to go redder. Karen was, um, she, she was the only one I was a little bit frustrated with. Uh, but she she's having... playing such a key role in Punisher. Okay, yeah, yeah. And she, I, I was frustrated with, with just one scene um, with between her and, and Matt Murdock where she was basically saying, 
you need to tell me things and then he'd start talking and then she'd interrupt him and be like you're not talking to me it was i can't i, I can't remember the exact like words but like this if you if you ever rewatch the series please like look for it because it was this conversation it was this conversation between them where she's like i need you to tell me things i need you to talk to me so then he starts trying to talk to her and she immediately interrupts him and is like no no you're not talking to me he's trying i feel he's really condescending to her though and i think that he he does that to foggy too and foggy is more willing to put up with it it was condescending at all it was a really it was just a very awkwardly written i I am not on team caredevil so and to stop acting like it's an accident that he just keeps ending up in these situations where like oh honey I didn't want a daredevil but like I had the daredevil and the suit just happened to be there you know so I put the suit on and then I daredeviled a little but like my heart's not in it I, I don't really love the daredevil like I love you. Yeah. I couldn't help it if my head cocked and I heard things. Um, I want to know how you guys felt about the uh, Colleen Danny romantic pairing. Really like an for me, she's Colleen like, Misty, that's what we mean. Yeah, she's I feel... Like, it's like she's in a relationship with him, but he's like her child also. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you have I two have people, neither of whom really have any significant sexual desire, but, like, they like to hang out together. Like, I kind of... It, it reminds me of a relationship that two 14-year-olds might have. Like, we like to hang out together because we have some similar interests. And they're both really stunted by it. But we're not, like, really at a place where we're really relationshipping so much as just, like, we're kind of going out. Because, I mean, Danny, Danny is not an adult. He is physically an adult, but he is, it is not unusual when you have experienced a trauma that you can be hung up at that point of trauma. And he experienced a significant trauma. And then you compile all the physical abuse he experienced and come on top of it. This is not a guy who is mentally and emotionally the age he is physically and so maybe this relationship with Colleen is just safe because she's not kind of really putting any demands on him and he's not really putting any demands on her because like she's he's rolling with a whole boatload of grief because like he's 12. yeah well she's also just been betrayed herself right? yeah like she believed about herself is gone so she's had to find out yeah. who she is and he's really i mean better or worse, he's still trying to find out who he is in a world he really doesn't know except from the point of view of his 12-year-old self. So these are, again, like you're right, the analogy of two kids. Uh, if the only thing is that they're, you know, um, yeah, they're both broken. Well, and it's just... Find, um, and I do think that she's by far the more mature of the two. He needs less vigilante time and more intensive therapy time. He does. All of them need therapy and to like talk about their problems instead of punching their way through them i also feel like a little some of it is that it's easy for them to be together after it was kind of like they ended up that way because of everything they went through um in you know the first season of iron fist like and misty has her shit together and like danny rand does not have his shit together like she deserves way more than somebody who is Functionally still 12 and does not have his well, business. I think they've laid the groundwork for the Luke-Danny friendship. So maybe he is the influence, not a, not a romantic influence that 
But Danny gives him these hard Danny eyes. Danny needs somebody to kick his butt, basically, and that's going to be Luke. And I think Luke is probably going to be the one to make Danny see who he is and realize his potential. So I think that's the, that's the relationship I'm most excited about If with the way that the whole uh, uh, Defenders worked out. Not because I like Danny so much, but because I think Luke is the best choice for him. I mean, bromance, whatever you want to call it, I think. And that was, you could see the beginnings of that. As long yeah. as he is a mentor and not a nanny. No, I think he's a mentor. I, I, that's why I, I interpreted yeah. it. Like, I think, I think we... I think he needs a lot more butt kickings, and maybe he has the potential to become... But I think we all want him to. From a fandom perspective, I would really encourage everybody to please be very careful in your portrayal of Luke Cage as Danny Rand's nanny. He is not Danny Rand's nanny. It is not his job to like help Danny figure his stuff out. It's great to be a mentor, but just keep that in mind in your fandom interactions, please, that he is not Danny's nanny. But, but he did say that, he, that Danny needed someone around him who could take a punch. Yeah. I mean, he, he did step up and say, no, this was mine. Yeah, this is just more, this is a calling out of fandom more than a calling out of canon. Just to encourage you going forward, if you are doing writing or art or whatever, just keep in mind mentor is the relationship that we're looking Mentor, mentee, not caretaker and person being taken care of. Okay, okay we got green shirt, blue shirt, and then you two in the front. Um, just to defend Danny, I think that he doesn't have a lot of relationship experience because he's been with his monks for so long, and I don't think that those monks are having a lot of sex or relationships. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely part of it. I don't think he really knows too much about that, so that's probably why he's so dumb as far as like the real world goes. Oh, I don't think it's unhealthy that he and Colleen have this very sort of like very simple, based on a few shared interests relationship. I don't think that's harmful for him. I just don't think it's like the love that's going to last the ages. Well, who knows? But the other part of that, I think Luke Cage is more of an older brother to Danny. So he kind of helps him when he needs it, and then he beats him around when he needs that too. <laughs> so I think that should be a good pairing still. Uh, kind of going off what he said, is one of the things we kind of forget is we mainly see Luke Cage, uh, not Luke Cage, we mainly see Danny as like a 25 year old so we expect him to act like an old like a more mature adult what we kind of forget is he was stranded alone in the snow after a plane crash at like he does have still kind of has the mentality when it comes to the real world he has that mentality of a 10 year old of he doesn't how he doesn't really know how to deal with other people who they're not learning to fight yet. They're not learning to fight or become this mystical iron fist. He doesn't understand how the real world works. Well, and he's still trying to figure that out. He also has a little bit of a, a child's innocence about him, yeah. too. He's not worldly. He's in so any naive. Sense. He's naive, and he is. And that could be. And weirdly trusting a for a guy who was trained to be a weapon. Yeah. I mean, considering you travel from. Tibet to America, he, he's a little worldly. A little bit, yeah. But I think he's idealistic. Yeah. Which, I mean, but the idealistic thing kind of fits with the way he would have been raised by monks, you know? He did live in, in for, in several ways, probably a pretty ideal, 
idyllic. Thank you. And he lived two idyllic lives. He went from being an incredibly privileged, wealthy boy who had everything at his fingertips to living this like where everything is taken care of. And yeah. God, he's got a purpose. He's got this true purpose. So I mean, like I mean, yeah. I mean, so in I guess in, in Danny's defense, as much as I, I hate to defend Danny Rand, um, but that's just me. Like, in Danny's defense, I mean, everything was very simple for him. In both of his lives before returning to New York, everything was very simple. I am a Rand. My job is to grow up and run the company. I am the Iron Fist. My job is to defend Kunlun. And then he walks away from that, and now he can't do either. And so, yeah, I mean, he's somebody who has had his life laid out for him really simply up to this point, and now he doesn't have that. And I feel had his series had better writing and, and better pacing, I think it would be easier for people to connect to and understand that. And I feel it's a failure of the writing, not a failure of the concept. Yeah. So um, I, I love Karen and Foggy as the people in Matt's corner, but I feel like they kind of they kind of irritated me this season when they kept harping, uh, they kept going on Oh, I don't want Matt to get back into the light. I mean, like, even in the police station where the city was in clear and present danger, they kept saying, but Foggy like, how did he bring get, him how get sucked back into this? How did he yeah, do this? I'm like, said, uh, oh, I, uh, uh, I don't want you to do it, but, okay, I'm not going to well, stop you if you do do it. They love okay. him and they don't want to lose him. Yeah, that's, that's basically the crux of it, in my opinion. And they were right, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. And, and ultimately, Foggy does come around because Foggy, more than anybody else, understands that like it's not his place to make that choice for Matt and Matt has to do what Matt needs to do and so Foggy doesn't condone it because of course he doesn't want this person he cares about to die but but Foggy gives Matt the tools that he needs to be able to do his job and so I, I have a lot of respect for Foggy for that because it's really hard I'm, I am married to a 11 year uh, veteran police officer uh, he's a, a detective with Cobb County um, and it is, I don't like his job. I would never have dated a police officer. In fact, I was raised specifically not to date a police officer because my grandfather was a police officer. And it's something, you know, and I'm like, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what your profession does, but I understand that what you're doing right now is he works crimes against children. I understand what you do right now is important and you have to go do it. And so sometimes whether or not you ideologically agree with the job somebody does, sometimes you understand they have to do this job and you have to let them go do it. And I, I, I really relate to Foggy in that way because like, yeah, there's risk in what you're doing and there's also a lot of line crossing potentially in what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, but, they, they um, I mean, he wanted out too for at least a period of time. Uh, so I think that they're, they just didn't know that they didn't know where that line was, and unfortunately, they crossed it. Foggy and Karen, I, I, I really think they do. They did because, like you guys said, it, you know, there was a point where the city was in very present danger, and um, you know, yes, Foggy did bring him this suit, but I think it took a little bit too long for Foggy to come around to the fact that yes, this not only is going to happen, but it needs to happen, and I, I didn't really ever see. Karen get to that point at all. Oh, I don't think she did. So, I don't um, think that she ever thought it was okay. And and is it because and and I guess they could see that he knew he was going to have to do it and that as soon as it, they realized that he 
was going to make that decision, that's when they should have stepped down. But for some reason, they weren't written. It wasn't written that way, and it was it was frustrating. I feel like we may get more explanation about Karen's mindset when we see her in The Punisher. I feel like drawing that line between her and Matthew where she can't accept it only to turn around and in whatever capacity she is in Punisher. Like I, I feel like there may be some intentionality in writing Karen in that way. I think we already got it in, in Daredevil season two. The, 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 the way she, she interacted with that character at the end of that season was way more involved than anybody else. And, and she saw that dark side and I think she's afraid for Matt because she saw how dark He's one bad day away from being the Punisher. <laughs> and yet she is so drawn to the Punisher and she feels this need to like constantly be trying to redeem him. So like, why can she do that for Frank and she can't make that? Is it because she never really thought that Frank was anything other than what he was and there was well, no deception there? She's not in love with Frank. Right? Yeah. That too. Yet. Yeah. 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 yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> she got a crush. I don't know, but I don't think... I think not her like feelings for Matt are different at this point. said yeah. that removing the dragon bones would destroy New York's structural integrity. And like, how are the rest of the defenders not freaking out about those dragon bones? But the, then you have you have Iron Fist being maneuvered so blatantly, transparently into opening the gate by Electra. And and then you have the whole like, where is, where is Kung Lun? Uh, these guys, the hand is trying to get back to Kung Lun, but didn't they destroy Kung Lun? But the pathway isn't open. When I saw it at the end of yeah. of Iron Fist, I thought the pathway had closed again, that he had missed his window, and he is seeing it as, oh God, it's destroyed, because he's just such a derp, he forgets that the pathway isn't always open. Like, maybe he's just missed his window, and he's got to wait another 10 years for that pathway yeah. to be open again. Yeah. Or, they, or they sealed themselves off as an emergency measure. Yeah. Like, screw you, Iron Fist. It does, and I mean, I can, I can see where it might be able to be interpreted that Kunlun is gone, because especially Gao uses that to bait Danny. There's a lot of talk about how Danny failed Kunlun. But of course it, she's it, going to tell yeah, us. They're no, all that talking about that is exactly what I was going to say, is yeah. that, I mean, but can we trust the, Gao as a reliable narrator? Can we no. trust anyone who said all the you fingers failed the hand are like, when we go back to Kunlun? So obviously Kunlun is still there somewhere. Like, did they put it in a snow globe? Like, they've got it somewhere. <laughs> somewhere Kunlun is there because they think they can go there. And, like, Danny just is not the brightest yeah. candle on the menorah. It's just time Why did they pull out the guns at the end? They, they, you have only one guy that can that is invulnerable, but you have three others that can be hurt. That is constantly my question with every superhero movie or most TV shows. In fact, like, you know, one well-placed bullet will kill most of these people we, but it would make a really boring yeah we've seen and that indiana jones it worked in one scene it was amusing then but the but only indiana reason that jones scene has gotten was because harrison yeah, ford, ford was had sick. Sick. yeah so because um shooting somebody in the head ends your story very quickly and so you don't get a lot of a lot of plot mileage out of that 
Uh, I think, though, if you did a, occasionally a little more occasional shooting a character in the head, then that would probably make a little bit more sense. They but are good about persistent wounds, though. Maybe guns are just harder to get in the Marvel Universe. Maybe they have better gun control I in the Marvel Netflix flicks universe. Oh, sure. Like, we've got superheroes. We need to lock this shit down. <laughs> okay, we only got a few more minutes, and then you had a question, and then the lady in the back. Yeah, I just, like, I, I, I love the individual series, and, and I like Defenders. I didn't love it. And I think that the individual series, they, they tried to do setup for the Defenders. I don't think they did it very well because like we had like we had Gal throughout, you know, both seasons of Daredevil, season of Iron Fist, she was such a badass, she was awesome. And then here comes Sigourney Weaver, who's a huge accomplished actress. She just wasn't menacing at all. And she's, and she's just talking down to Gal who nobody had done it before. Yeah, but who lives her. through the series? Gal does. No, so I, maybe Gal was like have your well, little yeah, hissy that's why, fit. But that's why Sigourney Weaver was just kind of pointless. I, yeah. I, I, I want to know what she had on Gal. She had something yeah. on We that. needed yeah. at least 13 episodes for this series and I don't understand other than budget reasons why they gave us eight. We, we we needed more of everything, and I feel like there's a lot of stuff that they could have filled in that I, I don't know if they assumed we just knew it or we could fill in the blanks. I don't know. It's like they had more show and they gave us less show. Yes. Mm -hmm. They gave us about two-thirds of the show. To give us Three quarters of the show for being generous. They, they've had some... So, some of the... Late, more recently, there's been some pacing issues, I'd say, in the 13s. And it feels like this was, all right, we've been having trouble pacing our 13s. What if we did eight? Yeah, it's Luke Cage, as, as much as I love Luke Cage, um, it's actually well, the, the probably my top has, two, I think, weird. right under Jessica Jones. There, There's, and, and I think it was Jessica Jones, and Daredevil season two was really bad. There's that, we call it, my friends and I call it the disc three doldrums. If you, if this was a, a series on, that you were watching on a Blu-ray or DVD, they, these episodes would be on the third disc, and you would you'd be suffering through them. Um, and and yeah, the, so so I feel like they maybe I think that they should have done ten episodes, but I also think that there was some kind of I I I you know made fun of the editing a little bit earlier, and it's the same thing. There were some editing choices they made where there were like some scenes that are drawn out and kind of unnecessarily long. They could have cut that and and put something you know better in um they could have spent less time i think they could have they did not they were not smart with the time they used to get them together and that was the biggest issue i think it's a casualty of me. going from two shows in a year to three shows in a year yeah i think that as much as i love to have more shows to watch like i love to have a new one every month i feel like the studio was not prepared to make the leap from two shows a year to three shows a year, and I think that it shows in the quality of the work. I think that they were overexerted and they were stretched a little too thin, and they were not able to put the same kind of time into the, the series that they did with the two a year. What if it was Netflix? But I mean, get, think about this. Netflix how, yeah, how, yeah, how much, I mean, look at all the shows that Netflix just chopped in the last year and a half. I mean, abruptly. Shows that had good ratings, they just chop, 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 and they were almost all genre shows. So maybe that division of Netflix was under such pressure that they just couldn't, they couldn't finish it. It was left to Marvel to go ahead and patch it together. Okay, that's. Um
Unfortunately, we don't have any more time for any more questions. Um, so I want to thank everybody for showing up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.